0: Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of a New Heights Show on Education. I am your host, Erica Hansen. How is everybody doing out there? Are we all stir-crazy yet? Um, In all seriousness, I hope that everyone is staying indoors, following the um, instructions of their country, municipality, state, whichever. Just, again, stay indoors and stay safe. It's not a time to be wandering around outside out there. So today, um, I'd like to go over a few things um, about the show and where you can find me. Um, my email address if you'd like to talk to me is Erica H at newheightseducation.org. That's Erica with a KH newheightseducation.org. Um, if you'd like to call in, this is a live show, so you can call in uh, using one six four six five five eight 8656 that's a united states number through new york um any long distance charges will apply for that um if you'd like to go through um, my zoom chat window is open the meeting id for zoom is 465-172-882 um And uh, I'd be happy to have a chat with you, answer any questions if I'm able, um, or we can talk about today's topic together. I'd also like to remind you that I now have a sister show, Uh, Buffy Williams has her show on um, Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I encourage you to check her out. She's very informative and a very warm personality. I think you'll enjoy her show. Um, so today's topic is going to be um, a little term called Iatrophobia, I knew I was going to mess this up, Iatrophobia, uh, io- Iatrophobia, excuse me. Iatrophobia, which is the fear of doctors or fear of medical situations. Um, I find this interesting because not a lot is talked about with regards to being disabled and having a medical phobia. Um, I'd actually done some research before this episode and I couldn't find much information on the disabled community itself and the rate at which, um, we have this particular phobia. Um, I, I, in my personal opinion, I think that, that, you know, fear of doctors for us would be quite high because we are involved in the medical community so often that it's, you know, um, more exposure means more opportunity to a phobia for a phobia in in some ways so i find i thought about this topic because um with all of the coronavirus panic going on um, it got me thinking about going to doctor's offices going to the hospital um, that sort of thing. And it's interesting. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people, um, on whether they are afraid of doctors or not. And it seems if you're disabled, they can go one of two ways. One, yes, you develop the fear of doctors, the fear of hospitals, the, you develop the phobia or you don't because you've, You know, you've been going to doctors so long and so often that it's not a big deal. I fall into the first category. Um, I'm better than I used to be, Um, but especially when I was a child, it felt like I was going to some sort of medical provider, whether it be a hospital, a doctor's office, a lab, Um, pretty much like every once a week. It felt like it. I'm sure that wasn't the case, but it felt like it. Unfortunately, this had the effect of giving me quite a terror of, um, medical, medical professionals and, and just the whole medical apparatus, you know, in general, um, pieces of this were, I had a fear of going to, an optometrist, even if it was for a regular checkup, because in my mind, going to an optometrist especially, and in some degrees, any doctor, automatically meant I was going into the hospital for a surgery. Um, For those of you who have been listening to me for quite a while, know that I've had quite a few surgeries in my life. Um, The majority of them were when I was a child. And as a child especially a very young child having a surgery you don't often know really what's going on or why you're there or what they're doing and it's something that's kind of difficult to explain to a kid so i remember that i didn't really have a good grasp on the why of things back then um all i knew was that going for a doctor's office visit generally meant something you know major medically was going to happen um so yeah i mean i i was not a fan of the optometr- optometrist office um to begin with i don't like needles i've got again i've gotten to the point where people can draw blood from me that didn't used to be the case um, needles and IVs. <laughs> um, I spoke with a friend also um, earlier and um, she she also <laughs> has this phobia due to multiple surgeries. So I, I, I think part of it is a surgery thing. Um, I also have a discomfort of or a the smell of antiseptic makes me uneasy. Let's put it that way. I'll say it that way. Um, the smell of antiseptic makes me really uneasy. Um, like I said, these things for me have calmed down. Um, and I, I attribute that to the fact that, ironically, I went um, into medical reception in which you have to be around medical professionals day in, day out, working with them. And I think that did help me as far as my phobia, because I got to see these people work when their attention was not on me. Um, I was not the sole focus of whatever the issue was um, that a medical professional was dealing with. And I think that really did help. That doesn't mean that I still don't have certain, moments where I feel extremely uncomfortable. Um, that's unfortunate, and it has nothing to do with medical professionals, you know, largely writ. Um, but I do think that it's something that we should talk about as a disabled community because um the development of these phobias are likely to happen because we do visit the the doctor's office so often. Um, and how, how can we manage that? What, what are some solutions? I guess I'm wondering. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's an odd little, it's an odd little musing. And I know this, this episode isn't quite like some of my other episodes in that, Um, I don't really have any answers, but I felt that this was a good topic to bring up because I do think it's important and it's being overlooked. So, um, I'm going to stop for a break. And while that's happening, um, I will get my notes together again and we will continue with our discussion of the phobia of the medical profession educational resources to help reach your goals. Welcome back to the new Hyde show on education. I am your host, Erica Hansen. So we are talking today about iatrophobia. Hey, I'm getting better at that. Um, which is the fear of doctors, uh, broadly speaking. Um, I, again, I, I, Please reach out to me, email me, or I have my chat window open if you'd like to talk to me because I'd like to know what other disabled folks, uh, what their experiences are with this particular phobia. Um, Are you okay with going to the doctor a lot? Is Is it like a no big deal thing for you because you end up having to go so much as a disabled individual or like me, has it really imprinted a sort of negative reaction onto you um, because you did have to go all the time? Um, I'm really interested to know. I think that, you you know, this is, I think, although people who go, or let's let me rephrase this. I'm, I'm thinking off the cuff today. Wow. Okay. So I think that while a phobia of, of medical is, is common just in everyday people, I think that the results of that phobia can be difficult and another layer of difficulty for a disabled individual. Um, um, Iatrophobia is um, evidenced by, you know, canceling appointments, delaying appointments, delaying going to a doctor at all, um, delaying medical procedures, um, not getting medical p- procedures done at all. Um, you know, avoiding making decisions regarding medical health, avoiding uh, taking prescriptions, that sort of thing. Um, Even for a non-disabled individual, this can cause problems, of course, if you have to be on high blood pressure meds, but you don't want to take it because you have a huge medical phobia, that would definitely lead to, obviously, issues down the road. But I think that for us the folks that are disabled, I wonder if it causes an extra layer of anxiety that a non-disabled person may not have. Um, In that, I mean, we're already anxious about whatever our our disability is. We're anxious about um, sometimes travel, Sometimes we're anxious about food. Um, You know, sometimes, you know, we're we're already dealing with pain. Um, And so this fear of something, of the doctor, of someone who is supposed to help us, really is an extra, really impeding layer um, that I think... A lot of people, quote unquote, normal people don't think about, um, in that I know some people, you know, look at us and they say, well, you're disabled, you should be doing this and this and this and this. Well, yes, but there are a lot of factors that go into that, um whether or not we go to like, whether or not we go to an appointment or do this certain thing or pick up medications or follow a doctor's regimen. There are a lot of um, reasons why we do and do not or do not. And phobia can really play havoc with that. Um, When we come back, um, I'll further talk with you guys about what what it's like being disabled, having to see a doctor all the time and having this fear. So I hope you will join me right after this uh, short commercial here. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back to the New Hyde Show on education. So last segment I was talking about how having a, a medical phobia can kind of wreak havoc on our lives, if, especially if we're disabled, Um If there are certain things that you have to do for your health, oh, I don't know, dialysis. I know that dialysis has to be done uh, usually twice a week, Um, you know, but, I mean, having a phobia surrounding that procedure can be really, really traumatizing um, and can lead to, you know, not following up with your providers, not really keeping up with what you need to do. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of needles. I've got, like I said uh, earlier, I've gotten better at it, but yes, I tend to put off getting labs done because not the most fun environment. You know, if you take what I said, I'm, I'm don't like needles and the smell of antis- antiseptic. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's fun for me. Um, in a not fun way. So yeah, um, it helps, I would think, to have someone with you. If you have to go to a doctor's appointment or a medical procedure, it does help to have someone with you um, to go with you to the appointment, whether or not they can actually physically go into the exam room with you. Um, Because then you have that support and you have somebody who understands that your nervousness going to the doctor is actually not nervousness. It's something that's way beyond, um, you know, that, that really is several magnitude above being nervous. Um, you know, I wonder if the difficulty with, medical practices is that they do have to be sterile. They do have to be, um, you know, completely clean and, and up to spec and follow very, very strict uh health guidelines for very, very good reasons. Um, but I think medical areas in general are not very inviting. They tend to be very cold, very sterile um lots of if especially if you're in a hospital you you see lots of white and lots of um you know metal you know chrome looking um railings and things like that and that's not a very hospitable environment um some hospitals and doctors offices are doing better with this um they are trying to brighten up um areas Uh, and make them a little more homey, um, which I think is a good idea. I think that that is something that more places should do. Um, I think it does help somewhat with the anxiety. Um, Yeah, I do think it's something that both, both the patient and the provider have to work at. So... I think that if you have a medical phobia, it's something to let a doctor know when you first meet them so they can note that down in the chart and maybe make adjustments to how they would do things. Um, I know that there have been sometimes where like my optometrist will make adjustments. Um, due to my phobias, for example, I don't get my eyes dilated every time I go in. The reason for this is, is I don't like anything in my eyes. It's, and again, it's, it's one of those, yes, other people may not like things in their eyes. It's pretty typical. Uh, take that feeling and, and magnify it by 10. That's what I experience. So, you know, generally speaking, unless it's absolutely 110% necessary, I don't get my eyes dilated. Um, and that's an adjustment that my optometrist has made for me. Um, so I think it's worth telling your providers, Hey, you know, I'm really frightened. I've, not had good experiences in the past um with dealing with this phobia what can you do to help me out i think it's you know and you shouldn't be you shouldn't be embarrassed to bring that up because it is a part of your care and you don't need to be walking into a doctor's office already being stressed um so yeah A last note on phobias, particularly in general. Um, Phobias are generally treated with what they consider to be exposure therapy. Um, You're in a situation with a therapist. Um, For example, you're afraid of spiders. So you're in a safe environment with a therapist, a safe room, very calming um, area and they hand you a spider and you have to hand, you know, you have to interact with that spider and the phobia is supposed to lessen over time. Um, And generally speaking, I think this is a good idea. um, But, and I, I think that it like, Like in my case, I think being around the medical environment did help, Um, but I it it, medical phobias are different for disabled folks in that we don't really have a choice. Um, If we, um, for example, if you oh I don't like uh, going back to dialysis. If you need to have dialysis, well. Um, your choices are pretty cut and dry there. I mean, having dialysis is preserving your life, so uh, you don't have any choice but to have exposure um so I think that's a bit tricky because it doesn't always work that you know the more the more you're exposed to something, the easier it gets. That's not always the case um ultimately, like I said, I, I'm just musing today. Um, ultimately I would say, you know, again, talk with your provider, let them know you do have a phobia, um, and let them know the extent of that phobia. Are you afraid of needles? Um, you know, do you have, um, problems with, Oh, having a breathing tube inserted. That's another thing that happens. Um, other procedures like that. Also bring someone with you. Um, uh, not but As I mentioned before, um, the person you bring with you may not always be able to go into to the exam room with you. It helps if they can because if you do have some sort of panic attack or or experience the phobia when you're in the doctor's office, they can actually uh, speak on your behalf and, and help mitigate that, um, you know, bring you back to a leveler state of state of being. So you're not just completely, you know, um, panicking. Um, Yeah. So ultimately, I just want to say to folks, you know, know yourself, know, know, where your limits are, where your boundaries are. If something is truly, truly uncomfortable for you, make darn sure you talk to the provider about it. Tell them why. Um, Ask them if there is an alternative. Um, There may or may not be. Um, But the more the doctor, the more information the doctor has about you, the better able he or she will be able to accommodate anything, any phobias you might have. Um, regarding the procedure and, you know, their ability to to make you more comfortable goes up exponentially. So um, I hope you enjoyed our topic today. Like I said, it was a bit off the beaten path, but I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, if you'd like to contact me, my email is at erikah.newheightseducation.org. I'd like to encourage you in this time of um self-distancing that if you are looking for educational o- opportunities please do check out New Heights um, educational group. Um, we have several um, free or low-cost programs on our site that you or your children can participate in um, while they are you know waiting to go back to school. Um, it's a great program. They do a lot of great work over at New Heights, and I hope you'll check them out. I will see you next week. Have a great week. Stay safe. Bye. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who Save with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary.